This is the Wealth and Law Podcast, a podcast about the intersection of personal wealth and the legal landscape. We'll take a deep dive into relevant topics. We'll basically teach you what we know, and we'll engage with guests with deep expertise in their field. We hope that you'll enjoy this episode and many more episodes. So please join us on this journey as we try to bring you relevant information that is both timely and important for you to know in order to engage in this area of the world. Welcome to the Wealth and Law Podcast. I am Brent Nelson, and of course, it is all the rage to know and talk and do things that relate to chat GPT. And to do that, you need to talk to somebody who is neck deep in it, and that is why Ashley Francis is with me today. Ashley, thank you. Hi, Brent. Yeah, thanks for asking me to come on your podcast. Really exciting. Yeah, it's exciting days, depending on your perspective on this topic, I suppose. It really is, and I feel like you can have two totally different perspectives and you can have like like a perspective about one aspect of the technology that is a little bit concerning and then a different perspective about the exciting parts of the technology mm-hmm. and because i don't have any control about the scary parts of the technology i, I like to focus on the exciting parts of the technology i think that's fair yeah well before, before we launch into that Um, For the few people in the world who don't know who you are, why don't you explain who you are? Yeah. So oddly enough, I'm a CPA. Um, We're not known for our big technological skills, but I'm a CPA out of Seattle. And uh, I have a, a practice that specializes in ultra high net worth individuals, their family groups, and trusts in the states. Um, and so typically... Uh, before this whole chat GPT thing, you know, came out, I was talking a lot about trust in the states. That was that was the exciting thing. Mm-hmm. And now now this has kind of caught my attention. And um, I'll get back to trust in the states as soon as this stops being so exciting. Yeah, someday. Yeah, I, yeah. I'm assuming you still have tax seasons. Like you have to be aware of. I do, I do. But it's so it's so interesting because my practice, uh, because of the nature of my practice, it's not a traditional um, super busy season. Like Mm -hmm. my clients, for the most part, most of them are going to be extended because their information comes in uh, later. So um, I don't have the kind of the huge crush that a lot of other traditional tax firms have. Yeah. I'm sure there's a lot of jealous CPAs out there. That's all my clients too. None of them file on time. I don't know any of my clients that file on time. And in fact, every time it's ever even mentioned to me, I'm like, what are you doing? Just extend, please just extend. There's no reason for us to rush this. I think that there is that that old mis- misconception where if you if you extend, then the IRS is going to come and get you. Um, but I don't think that's I don't know if it's ever been the case, but it's certainly not the case now. So no. uh, that's not you know the IRS is if you if you like report a lot of really large expenses that end in zero, that's kind of one of those things that's going to increase your chance of the IRS coming and getting right. you. But extending right. that's you know, that's with the especially with the way that the information is coming out later and later and later. And then the 1099s come out and then the corrected 1099s come out two weeks later. <laughs> so either you're extending or you're amending. So yeah. why not just do it right the first time? Yeah, might as well. Might as well. Right. Okay. So I well, sorry, I I I diverted the conversation away from our friend um ChatGPT. But so maybe for let's let's assume somebody is completely uninitiated. They don't understand what this thing is. How would you explain it to them? Oh goodness. Okay. So if I had to explain it to somebody that was completely uninitiated, I would say hopefully they've like used those old chatbots uh back in the day. I mean, even if they go back way far, they've like talked to Clippy and asked Clippy to help them out. Um, so this is 
this super advanced version of that where you you go into this kind of I would say a, like a black box situation where there's this uh, there's this box at the bottom and it's just waiting for you to ask it a question or, or to talk to it. And it's like when you first open it up, it's like, I have nothing to ask this thing. Like, what is this thing? What would I even need it for? But then you start out like with probably small, stupid things. Like, uh, I believe my first one of my first prompts was, how do you know if you're allergic to kittens? You know, like you, you start thinking like, OK, maybe it's like Google. Maybe it can answer questions like that. Um and that is actually one of the things that one of the roads that people go down is they they try to treat it like Google or a Google search or a Bing search. And it's not exactly that. Um, but when folks first start out with it, like I like to think or I like to tell people just start out kind of doing dumb stuff, fun, dumb stuff like have it tell you a story or ask it for a recipe or I mean, I've I've asked it to help me design my wardrobe for going to a conference. Um, it, I could probably give you just this huge long list of the the non-serious things that I've asked it to do. And the yeah. really great thing is like, unlike unlike if you go into like a a, a Google search or a Bing search, um, and you get this huge long list of of responses of all of these websites, it's pretty much like when you're in ChatGPT, it's pretty much consolidating all of that information into one response, and then you can ask questions about it. So, you know, for example, with the the kittens and the allergies thing, it you know gives you a response like a WebMD would give you a response, but then you can start asking more questions about each particular thing on that list. So it, it's, it's kind of fun. Yeah. And then it sucks you in and then you're like, you know, delegating your business duties to it. So it's a, <laughs> it's a slippery which, slope. Which can happen. <laughs> yeah. 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 Well, that's that. Well, my experience has been similar. So it, it does answer all those search engine things but i i'm with you like i think it's it's like you asked a research assistant to go read the top 20 responses in google and consolidate it in a summary form sometimes bullet pointed or in a chart for you to digest which is incredible and Absolutely. honestly um you know the dumb version of chat gpt which is the one that i use you know dumb in air quotes uh it doesn't like have audio you know, if we could just tell you the answer, like in audio, then it's going to be great. And I'm sure somebody has that that feature out there somewhere where they've attached to it and they can do audio. And uh, that's kind of how I have been using it. I've been using it like it's my assistant on all sorts of different topics. And like you say, I'll just give it a prompt. So when you when you search something in ChatGPT, the people in the know, they call it a prompt. You got to give it some right. some instruction. I don't know why they come up with new terms for the same shit, but they, it's like, you know, it's a prompt, <laughs> right? It's just searching something. But right. But anyways, you you know, you give it a prompt and then it gives you an answer. And then like me, like I like I kind of interact with it like I would with somebody that I work with where they give me an answer. I'm like, uh, what about that second thing you said? What does mm -hmm. that mean? And then they give me another answer. I'm like, hmm, how does that relate to this first thing? And then they give me an answer. I'm like, well, can you kind of put that in a chart? Because I'm getting confused. And then it will do it. And I have actually found that when you do that, sometimes it seems like, I know it doesn't, but it seems like it has feelings and you have to kind of encourage it along. You know, if you start getting a little negative in your responses, it starts to get chippy and it doesn't it doesn't seem to operate the same with the same level of efficiently efficiency for me. So I'm constantly when it gives me a response, I'm constantly like responding back. That's really good. Now let's look at this, this or the other thing. It's really right, I weird. Can't, I can't believe you're hurting. You're hurting the robots feelings. I like, know it's horrible. You, so I don't know if you like know how all of this 
works. And it's once I started looking into it, I was like, okay, the, this is a little bit less magic than it. Then like having the magic like machine spit out all of these amazing answers. But um, basically what it's doing is when you ask it a question, it's it's going down through all of these like um, context sort of I'm I'm totally mangling this and someone who someone who's in technology is going to come after me. Please don't. I, I, I know the words, just not right now. Don't um, forgive us. Well, yeah. lawyer and accountant talking Thank about this. You. They'll forgive Thank us. Thank you. So it's trying to search for words that are close to what it thinks you're talking about because it's got this huge like understanding of all of these words um, as they relate to other things. So that's why, and they call it prompt engineering. And they say you can earn three hundred fifty thousand dollars doing it. I'm like, I don't, I don't know that I can earn three hundred fifty thousand dollars doing it. But like, there are very specific things that you can do to make the prompts respond better um, and give you better feedback. And a lot of it has to do with giving the the robot a ton of context about what you're looking for so it can pull all of the words and, and phrases associated with that thing. Um, so I think when folks start out, they're typically like, what's, you know, what's the capital of Madrid? Wait, what's the capital of Spain? Don't judge me. So, um, and, and then like when, as they get farther along, when they start using it as an assistant, it's like, hi, chat. I always say hi. Cause I don't know when this thing is going to come back for me, but it's like, hi, chat GPT. You're, you're my resume bot and I need help creating a really classy resume as a, a tax accountant, um, for, I don't know, pharmaceutical industry, um, and so you've given it like all of the context that it needs to know where to start looking for words to support you. And then you could do something cool, like say, um, ask me everything I everything you need to know for, for you to give me a better response and give it permission to ask you questions. And then it can start building up its understanding and give you better answers. So um, that's kind of how I've started developing my prompts. They're extra long kind of obnoxious. I don't know if you saw the one I did today about the process bot, but I, and, and once again, nobody knows how, I mean, nobody a hundred percent knows how prompt engineering works. And so this could be all like smoke and mirrors and none of it, like none of it's really necessary, but as a human, we, we have these little rituals that we think are working. So. Yes, we do. We convince ourselves. Uh, yeah. Right. And to, yeah, to maybe flesh that out for anybody who, who doesn't quite understand what we're talking about. If you, it, it's different from Google mm -hmm. in that in Google, you're trying to sort of add in key phrases into a search query and, you know, really sophisticated search engines, you can add in little Boolean in endings and things. You don't have to do all that with ChatGPT. Instead, you're trying to give it some context for what it is you're digging at so it can it gets more focused, I think. And then you you give it some information about the type of response you're looking for. And then and then uh, like like you're saying, you can ask it to ask you questions to see if you can improve the prompt and it will tell you if it thinks there are ways to like it will ask you like, well, what about this? What about this? What about this? And then you can kind of then improve the prompt, which is really cool. It's it's a lot. As I said, it's it's more like interacting with somebody you work with than interacting yeah. with Google. Yeah. 
So um, I'm going to totally butcher the quote, but um, it's supposed to be a reasoning machine, not a database, but mm. it can be used as a, it can be, it can be seen as sort of a database. It just depends on what information you're trying to get out of it. Right. Right. So, um, so, and I think that's that's why we see a lot of these other applications coming out that have uh, that can do things other than just talk to us. Like they're right. using the same underlying model, but they can do so many different things with that. Yeah, and it yeah, and it has the capability of being plugged into other systems and then being able to do all sorts of things in those other systems if you know how to write the basic formulas in those systems. So for example, um, one thing that I've seen and and been tooling around with is that you can connect it to uh, Google Sheets, which is like Excel. And then through Google Sheets, if you put in certain functions into each cell, it can populate spreadsheets with with search responses in essence i mean search is still a clunky word to say but but it's responses to the prompts that you're entering into sheets and then it can populate it into a spreadsheet which is mind-blowing and amazing right and you start thinking about uh in your business when you need to develop some sort of spreadsheet or you're trying to organize thoughts, how often you're manually entering in information into a chart, ChatGPT can just do it for you. All you have to do is tell it to do it. And you don't even have to connect to Google Sheets. I mean, you could just tell it in ChatGPT what you're looking for and to tell it, please organize it in a chart that I can copy and paste into Excel. And it will do it. It will it's do amazing. it. It's amazing. Yeah, you have to be super careful, though, because if you tell it that you're going to copy it into Excel, sometimes what it will do is helpfully put it into a markdown language or a CSV mm. that when you put it in Excel, it is impossible to like format it. You have to do the... the... So I just now, I'm like, I just want this to be a table. I'm not going to tell you why. Right. Right. Make it a table and I'll do what I need to do with it afterwards. That's smart. So, so, you, so like tabular format, chart, those are words you can ask it for markdown language. Oh, there was like this, I saw this thing on Twitter, like it, it gave you basically like you can ask it to do this, you can tell it you are this, and then its output can be... Um, Python, it knows like a handful of coding languages. Mm -hmm. That's actually the danger of it. Um, because I, you know, I feel like I'd be remiss if I didn't talk about like how people go wrong with it um, and how people misunderstand it. So like I learned how to use Power Automate from it, like the Microsoft uh, product Power Automate. Mm -hmm. um, I learned a ton about the the different terms and everything. But the thing is, is like it will give you something that looks like a complete and accurate response. The thing is, is like if it doesn't have all of the information it needs to give you an accurate response, it will fill in the blanks. And it doesn't it's not it's not like it, people say that it's lying. It's not it doesn't have a morality. Right. It's right. like this robot that does, it doesn't have feelings. It doesn't people call it he or she. I'm like, it doesn't have a gender. It's the same as your toaster. Um, and so the challenge is, is like it's very convincing the output mm -hmm. like if people do tax research oh and i see people doing tax research in there i'm like no just please don't um because yeah. you don't know you don't know what information it has access to or has like been trained on so what i like to do now and this is when now we're going to veer out of chat gpt but it's going to be the same engine is Sure. What I like to do is like I like to take whatever output it's given me and then take it over to being AI creative and like just vet it against um, 
against a specific website. Like, is this real? Is this correct? What are the issues with it? And so that way I can make sure that if I need this output to be accurate. So it's not like I'm asking it business questions or fashion questions or like how to braid my dog's hair. Like I'm asking it things that need to be accurate. I'm going to take it over to being AI creative and just vet the answer. Right. To make sure it's right. So ex- explain for people why, what the difference is between, say, ChatGPT 3 and then being AI creative. So they get why you're going back and forth. Yeah, I don't use ChatGPT 3. I use the 4. I use the oh, 4 one. Oh, you use the smart and, one. Right. I'm not sure that we should be even having this conversation if you don't, you're using <laughs> 4. I don't even know if you, like, you're missing out on the good stuff, man. Um, so, uh so ChatGPT has been trained up to September 2021. And what that means is like they took a big chunk of the visible internet, but not all of it, but just a big chunk of it. And they fed it into the model and trained it on how people talk to each other. And here's all of this information. It's like if you went down to the library and just sat on the internet for years and just absorb all of that information. Like you'd have some funky stuff going on up there, but yeah, so I don't know what we're doing with these these robots. But um, so it knows a big chunk of the internet up to September 2021. And then after that, it doesn't have any knowledge. Uh, and GPT-4 will be very clear that it doesn't know things after September 2021. Because I think they saw mm-hmm. how many people were like, yes, now I have a search engine that can talk to me. Like, no, that's not what this is. So they made it more clear. But being AI creative, and I don't, once again, I'm going to say this again. I'm not sure if this is 100% correct that Bing AI Creative is the only Bing that's on the GPT-4 engine, but I heard it, so therefore it's true. Read it on the internet. Um, So it is a search engine, but also a generative AI. So what that means is that it will go out and actually look at websites and bring back the results. And like you were saying, like go out, look at those top 10 websites, bring back the results and then synthesize it into one answer and give you the links. So what I have discovered, especially in doing tax research, like obviously if you're gonna be doing some super technical tax research, a lot of that is behind a paywall. Being AI isn't going to be going out and like, you know, cultivating this this big tax argument for you. But um, if you direct it like to the IRS website, let's say, or, you know, you're in Arizona, so you direct it to the Arizona State website. It can do a really good job of pulling resources from there and summarizing it for you in a nice little table so that you can go back, like making you a table of contents, basically, mm-hmm. of documents that you want. So, for example, with the Power Automate, what I do is I take those Power Automate flows, I go over to being AI creative, and I'm like, here's the flow. Please look only at like Microsoft websites or their power user websites and see if see if there's any problems with these with these steps or if there's any better way to do it. And right. so it usually comes back. The great thing is it comes back with articles about like maybe things I don't understand in there or things that don't work. It gives me more context and, and like an understanding about that topic. Yeah. So then how I mean, you, you mentioned Power Automate. I mean, you did mention uh, maybe some tax research. I I'm with you. I find the tax research that I get back from these systems to be um, lacking a little bit. It has to be yeah. double checked a lot. A lot. Um, <laughs> and I'll do things like tell me 
tell me the you know the the main case on this topic and the main quote from the case and it'll give me the case and the quote and neither the quote nor the case are correct so but it's very confident in the way it does it's like this is it black and white this is the answer like no that's not the answer it turns out um but so setting aside that small issue how, how are you using it i and i'll I can sort of fill in how I'm seeing it from my perspective, like, but how are you using it to improve your practice or at least that you perceive it is improving your practice? Yeah. So um, one of the one of the things that I started doing during busy season, my version of busy season is there's always something that comes up that you're like, I need to write that down because I'm I want to change that. So I created an instance in chat GPT where I was like, here's where I'm going to put all of my complaints. And um, and I want you to just I want you ChatGPT only tell me okay got it after I like dump in all my complaints I start the prompt with the word diary just respond okay got it I don't want your opinion about this right now we'll talk about this later so I would go and I would put in like the information so that at the end it could give me like a list of the things that um I was struggling with and then I need to go back and like work on and then you know it we can talk about that. Um, it also like one of the things that I think, uh, especially like, uh, CPA practitioners, I don't know about attorneys. I assume you guys are really good at business, but, um, we're really good accountants and we're really good, like business advisors, but we sometimes really aren't great business, like at business, running our own businesses. So, uh, one of the really, I don't, they must have fed it every single like Harvard Business Review article that's ever been written. I don't know. But it is a really fantastic business advisor. If you let it know what your business is and ask it, how do I improve my business? Are, am, are my processes and policies going to get me to the goals that I want? And then let it ask you questions. And it's such a great way to just kind of surface those things that you haven't really thought about. Yeah, I completely agree with that. And I've I've been using it for myself in that way. I'll, I'll ask it things about business and structuring and and efficiencies that I'm working on. I've used it to try to develop checklists for different processes that we do. And honestly, it does a pretty good job. I mean, it's not 100%, of course. Of right. course it's not. Because everybody is going to do right. want to do things their own way. And there's going to be some little nuancey thing that everybody will want for themselves, but it does it like 90 to 95% right. right. And that just getting it 90 to 95% right without having to lift a, lift a finger basically is massive. And then I've, uh, I have used it to help me write articles. I use it constantly to help me write copy for social media, especially as it relates to the podcast and trying to push out the podcast because one of the things that takes the most time is just sitting down and typing out pecking out okay for twitter the prompt is going to be this for linkedin it's going right. to be this for the website it's going to be this i could just tell it write me the copy for these four uh, websites and make it seo optimized and here's a sample of my writing so make it in my voice and write it in the yeah. first person and it will write right. it it's great it will it, it will it will just like spit it out and you're like am i cheating is this cheating? Am I supposed to be <laughs> like, am I supposed to be suffering more than I really am? Yeah. Um, can I change thing, it? 
Yeah. I change it. It's not, it's not like copy and paste, but it's if the hardest thing for me, and I, again, I'm only speaking for myself, so maybe every, everybody else is different, but the hardest thing for me, especially when it comes to writing things, is just getting the first draft done. Uh-huh. And this gets the first draft done. So all I'm doing from that point is refining down the first draft, which I would do to my own first draft anyways. It's no different. Yeah. And it's it's just so efficient to do that. And the other thing I've noticed, especially if I'm writing something a little more long form and I'm using it to help me, like you were saying, you can prompt it and ask it questions. And so if I might, you know, I might give it, say, four or five topics, like here are the things, this is the audience. Can you, you know, write something up? I'll give it a word limit and then it'll write it up and then I can go back. So let's say there are four things on the list and say, okay, number one on the list, let's flesh that out a little bit, you know, talk about what about this, this, and this and flesh it out and make it 500 words and it will write it. It's just brilliant. I cannot believe you are not using four yet. I know. Oh man. When you, when you get on there, your, your mind is going to be blown. You're be like, what have I been doing? I've been, (laughs) yeah. I know. Then we'll probably have to re like re-record this episode because everything I've said is <laughs> is useless. It's um, not useless. No, no, it's great. It's just like you're 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 doing it on hard mode, man. You could and and you're already doing it on easy mode compared to how you were doing it. But you yeah. could be doing it even more on easier mode. Yeah. So I think you know that your point about like writing that first draft there there is a. Uh, an additional point to that where I feel like there, you know how when we create something, we have to set it aside for a day just to let our ego let go of it so we can like review it. And sometimes our ego is not going to let go of that thing that was super hard to create. It's just like, nope, this is still brilliant. I wouldn't change a thing. Um, This solves that problem. Like, with having with having it generated by a, an entirely outside entity, like if you had a staff person write it or an intern write it, like when you're looking at it, you're not attached to what was written. So you have no compunction against just changing it to make it exactly how you want it to look. And like, so you, you move from that, um, just grinding it out and feeling like, oh man, I could never change a thing because I spent so much time and effort to being like, okay, this is this is a great piece of garbage. We're gonna improve it. Thanks, chat thanks, right. chat GPT for your work. Thanks for the 30 <laughs> seconds that you put into this product. Um and it's just it really does change your relationship with your work. So you don't like you don't get so uh, emotionally attached to the output. Like did yeah. you see my post about um, I had to create a presentation and so how I, how I kind of cheated on doing that. It wasn't cheating. See, it feels like this is too easy, but it's just like the technology now. Like I had chat GPT give me all the questions I needed. I took it over to Bing, had Bing answer all the questions, took that back over to chat GPT. And then it created an outline for me. And to your point, based on the audience and in a way that would be engaging to them. Mm-hmm. And then I put that into designer and had it AI my PowerPoint. I don't know what I mean. Like, I, I don't know. I'm just going to spend time like talking to people now. Like AI is just going to do all the all the work. But isn't okay that, that isn't that? Yeah. But isn't that the well, sorry. Let me let me ask this question first. And maybe yeah. we're going to loop back to what you just teed right. up, uh, whether you meant to or not. But um, the, the big question, of course, is everybody's asking, well, isn't this just going to take all of our jobs? You know, I, I think it's going to take the crappy part of our jobs. Like I think it's going to take the part of our jobs where we're we've made so much busy work for ourselves. No, I'm going to say I mean, I'm a I'm a tax CPA, so I'm going to blame it on the IRS because I can. 
Um, there have been so many law changes. There has been so much disruption in our industry. There have there like the complexity of everything has just skyrocketed. We have people who are burning out. We have CPAs who are dying at their desk. We have like people who like need to go take time at a mental institution um, because this is just a grind. Right. We have people who don't even want to go into this profession because that doesn't sound very attractive. And we don't have time to spend with our clients, like to do the things that our clients are really asking us to do, which is like that tax planning, that advisory. So uh, I think it's going to steal the parts of our job that we're really going to be happy to give up. And right now, it then maybe doesn't feel that way. Maybe it feels like, oh, um, this is my slice of garbage. This is my slice of stuff I don't want to do, but you can't have it. But I think as we get more comfortable like leveraging these tools, we were like, okay, yeah, you can have this. And I'm going to go do the fun stuff, which is work with clients, build my team, um, create community, and just get back to doing the, the, the reason we go into service businesses is to do service, not grind out work. So right. that's that's where I want to see it go. Me too. And I, I do think it's going to go that way. I think that the ability to know the questions to ask and the way to frame it and the issues to be looking out for is not going away. So, if, you know, for lawyers and accountants and financial advisors, et cetera, like you're still going to have to be technically very competent. But to right. use these tools to do this, the stuff that now takes too long and is so complicated and is is grinding like you're describing and to be able to do it more efficiently so you can spend more time working on the relationships and interacting with humans it's only going to make it's only going to make things better now i think it is going to probably mean that it will it could change the complexion of of the practices in that people who are really good at human interactions are going to thrive and people who are the the back room, uh, grind it out, nose to the grindstone, they don't want to interact with clients types. It, unless they're going to be the, the real technicians on how to use the AI technology, then they could have a problem, I think. I actually think that's going to be the dichotomy. I really do, because you you you're going to have the folks that are the technicians they're always going to be the technicians right like there are folks who if you want to drag them out in front of another human being you are causing suffering um but that doesn't mean that there's not a role for them especially since chat gpt does such a phenomenal job giving social skills where maybe social skills are lacking mm. um interesting I, yeah i yeah. i have i've talked with lots of folks uh who have used ChatGPT when they want to write that one email to that one client who's just, they've got, oh man, they're going to give it to them good. And ChatGPT comes back with this very reasonable, very like, very well thought out email that's, that, you know, solves the problem. And um, honestly, just between you and me and everybody listening, I feel every interaction that ChatGPT solves for them in a way that is like positive socially also educates them on how to respond next time. Mm -hmm. So I think it's going to be a great learning tool, but I also think it's like for the folks who really struggle, I think it's going to be a fantastic way to maybe mask those those struggles. But in the I end, agree. it's... I think we're going to still have our technicians who love being technicians and somebody's going to have to feed the model, right? right. Somebody's going to have to train the model. Somebody's going to have to build the custom apps because that's what's going to happen now, right? 
with AI, we're going to have, well, so automation is our other thing, my other thing, and we could talk about that for another hour. But um, I think what's going to happen is because there's so many tools out there where you can create your own custom apps. Um, and I know on the attorney side, you guys, you guys get a lot more love than on the accountant side when it comes to technology. But our technology is like, we're lucky if it's 15 years old. So um, we're going to have you know, there's going to be an opportunity for folks to like create the models, to feed it information, and then to also create the apps that serve like a particular firm or practice best. Yeah. And then we're going to have an opportunity for all the people who like to be out front and talking to people and shaking hands and kissing babies. So there's right. a space for everybody. Right. I completely agree. It's not all doom and gloom. Actually, I think it's a lot more positives than than doom and gloom. It's it's got me very excited. It's actually gotten me where I'm annoyed that it's not better more than I anything too. else. I'm like, it has been okay, come on. It has been a month and a half since yeah, isn't that PPT four came out. Like where what are we doing here, guys? Come on. Come in. I know. We're I don't spoiled. I don't know if you're like how many newsletters you're on about AI, but like there are literally dozens of new AI applications coming out every day. I don't know that I would like sign up for most of them because I don't know who's like collecting my information. But the thing is, is right now, I think we're in the turning phase of a new technology where there's just going to be churn and churn and churn of these ideas. And then as it matures, it's going to consolidate as it does. And we're going to see some um, some real winners and some some losers in the technology space about it. But I think... And I haven't talked about this yet, but like Microsoft Copilot being an early entrant with the, the AI being integrated into like our software and being able to talk across all of the platforms in the Microsoft environment, that's going to be such a huge step forward in introducing people to becoming comfortable with AI in their environment and how it will serve them. Right. So I think that's that's going to be a great development whenever it gets, whenever it comes out any day now, I'm ready for it. That one, that one and Bloomberg Tax AI, when that comes out, uh, there's going to be a lot of people in our professions that are very happy and life will be a lot easier. Right? Uh, yeah. Ashley, uh, obviously, we could talk about this endlessly, but you have things to do, I know. So uh, if people are trying to find you, what's the best way for them to do that? So if they want to talk about ChatGPT, find me on Twitter at Seattle Tax. Um, that's, that's where I'm going to be. And I'm happy to talk chat GPT all day long with you, unless I'm talking about being AI or Microsoft, or at some point I'm going to go back to talking about trusts. I don't know. Maybe. Yeah. Maybe you'll actually <laughs> talk about the thing Something. you do for money. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I'm like, uh, this is fun, but it, like at some point I need to, you know, do, do my job. So. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I hope you're able to do that someday. Thank you Thanks. so much for carving out some time for me. I appreciate it. For sure. Thanks. Hey, listeners. Thanks again for joining me on the podcast. It's fun to do it for you. If you're enjoying it, please subscribe at Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts. Subscribe to my blog at wealthandlaw.com and follow me on social media at wealthandlaw. I'll see you there.